And this is one of the most famous psalms, Psalm 42. But I'd like to start by asking this question. What do you think about people who talk to themselves? Norton, do you talk to yourself? (laughs) I know he does. Well, the Bible has a word for people like you, and the word is normal. Actually, the Bible would suggest that talking to yourself is not only normal, it's healthy. And Psalm 42 is screaming, make sure you talk to yourself. You can't grow spiritually without talking to yourself. Paul David Tripp writes, no one talks to you more than you do. You are in in an unending conversation within yourself. You're talking to yourself all the time, interpreting, organizing, analyzing what's going on inside of you and what's going on around you. And that's just the simple truth, you know. He gives a few examples, just in case you're still thinking this is weird. Um, You wake up in the morning, you ask yourself why you're so tired. You start asking yourself these questions. Or perhaps, he says, you relive a conversation that didn't go so well. Have you ever had that experience where you're you're thinking and and then thinking about what you said and there's all this thinking? Or a conversation that you're going to have in the future that's going to be difficult and you're having to do all this this thinking about it. Soren Kierkegaard famously said that it is both our greatness and our pain that we actually transcend ourselves, transcend or are above and beyond ourselves and, and can uh, be conscious of what we're thinking. In, in Mississippi terms, that's simply, we, we think about our thinking. And we respond to what we're thinking, and we answer what we're thinking with other thoughts. And the question from Psalm 42 has to do with how we talk to ourselves. Now look, if, you know, if something's easy or something's praising you, somebody's praising you or there's something real comfortable, that's no problem, right? How you react to that. Psalm 42 it has to do with this idea of, of what do you do when you get downcast? I mean, what do you do when your emotions are just spiraling in free fall? How do you, how, how do you react to that? And, and you know, it is, it is the experience of every one of us that we have negative thoughts and negative emotions that are just swirling around in our heads. And, and if you struggle with negative emotions today, remember I said when you came into worship, welcome to reality. And the good news is there's a greater reality than the one you brought in uh, in your, your head and heart this morning. And um, if you struggle with negative emotions, this psalm is definitely for you. It was written by one of the sons of Korah, not the Christian uh, rock group, but the actual sons of Korah who were basically a group of Levites that were assigned the singing ministry in the temple. And so the sons of Korah wrote some of our psalms. And I mean, can you see them? They're kind of the the worship leaders in the temple. And they're just singing. You know, the Jewish worship was very exuberant with the tambourines and the resounding cymbals. and, And the sons of Korah, they're singing this jubilant song. And then here's this other song they wrote. Let's call it the Depression Song. Why did they put the Depression Song, the Downcast Song, in Israel's hymn book? i tell you the reason why. It's because that's where we get to. That's what we struggle with in our life. And what they want to show us is that God is even more real. I mean, can you see the sons of Korah leading the worship? Do we have any requests? Sing the Depression Song. You know, everybody's like, no, not the Depression Song. Well, I want to read to you this morning... The Depression Song. 
It is Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Listen to these words. My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour my soul out, how I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for yet I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon and Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go around mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The teaching here is very similar to, to this notion of talking to yourself and the impact that it makes. It just is about this, that whether we are more anxious or more disturbed within us or whether we are more comforted and confident basically depends on who's doing the talking in your life. Who's doing the talking in your life? We grow anxious when we listen to our own hearts. We grow confident when we listen to God and speak to our hearts. Let me say that again. We grow anxious when we listen to our own hearts. We grow confident and we rest in God when we listen to God and speak to our hearts. Now, the first thing is this idea of the the anxiety and the depression that is happening here in the life of the psalmist and just how that depression is just growing and growing. I mean, the emotional words that I just read to you, there's a lot to be anxious about here. I mean, look at verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me, where's your God? I mean, have you ever been so discouraged and so depressed that you couldn't eat? I have. You ever been just so down that food doesn't taste good anymore? That's what's going on in the life of this psalmist. And look at verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Now, God hasn't forgotten the psalmist, but that's the way he feels. He feels like he's been abandoned. This is deep. Why must I go about, look at the word, mourning? I mean, there's such discouragement and depression here. Verse 10. You know how we say it just hurts all the way down to the bones or... That's the same thing. Why must my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me? I mean, it's just down to my bones, this depression. I struggle, and there's agony. And then there's that poetic line, verse 7. I mean, people put this on greeting cards. You know, this is supposedly some 
sweet little comforting line from God. I'm going to tell you, that's a misunderstanding of this line. It's, it's all about the, the hardship and the struggle and the depression that has come on this psalmist. And the poetic line is verse 7, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. And people read that and they say, oh, that is the, that is the deep love of God calling to the deep part of me. And that's just the waves of love that are coming on to me from God. That's not what it is at all. This are, is the horrendous pounding that this man is taking as God is allowing things so powerful and unstoppable they feel like crashing waves upon him. These breakers, I mean, this is what we might call the perfect storm of tribulation and trial. He's just getting pounded in this relentless pounding of things, waterfalls, breakers, what he's saying is, I'm so overwhelmed, I don't know what to do. And as he listens to his soul, he just gets more and more depressed. Folks, the random thoughts of a pressured heart is no basis for the leadership of your life. The random emotional thoughts of a heart under pressure is no basis for, for what ought to be leading your life. Because if you're just listening to your heart as whatever is bubbling up out of it at a given time under pressure is bubbling up you're going to be misled i do realize that people all the time in word and in song say follow your heart at the end of the day just follow your do not follow your heart do not listen to your heart your heart is deceitfully wicked your heart will will fool you And your heart is caught up in the midst of all this stuff and whatever is oozing out of your heart is whatever just happens to be oozing out of your heart at the time. And I want you to know, I speak of experience. I have listened to my heart and I have paid the price over and over. And I know that you have too in your life. And the question this morning is, who's going to do the talking in your life? Your heart And listening to your heart, because I want you to know that just following the emotions of our heart, that's no way to have to live. But the psalmist goes on to say there is another person that can talk. Not just your emotional heart, your soul. Soul just means the totality of the spiritual man. But secondly is we grow confident when we talk to our hearts, when we listen to God. And talk to our hearts. I mean, our hearts come like a runaway locomotive. This thing's spiraling down. It's in free fall. I mean, who's going to stop it? The answer for most people is nobody. We're just going to let my heart run its course. And I'm going to feel all these things. And I'm going to go with all these things. And I'm going to feel about people because of what my heart's saying. And my relationships are about to take a turn because of the way my heart feels and what my heart is telling me. Your heart may not tell you anything that's even real about the people in your life. You understand what I'm saying? You're not omniscient. You don't know. That's just your heart. That's just going to get you in more trouble. And it's really fascinating. I'll tell you what's going to stop it. Is you're going to talk to your heart. Just like the psalmist does. I mean, this is kind of where, you know, some people feel like it gets weird. Why He's talking to his heart, his soul. Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so discouraged within me? Soul. <laughs> you know, that's what he's saying. Soul. Why are you so depressed? Soul, why are you so downcast? 
And then notice what he says. So, put your trust, your hope in God. You see, he's talking to himself. That is not a sign of craziness. That's a sign of incredible spiritual health, and you can't grow, you can't get on with your life unless you listen to God and talk to your heart. Now, I'm going to tell you, I talk to myself all the time. Some of y'all are like, yeah, we, we suspected you did. I do, and, um, and I'm one of these people, and if you know me well, I'm one of these people that I'm kind of verbal, and so I actually talk to myself out loud. Now, not with anybody present. I want you to know that. But uh, many times, you know, it's just helped me to be able to say what is true. I mean, just out loud, and even not just to hear it in my heart, but to even hear me say the truth of God's Word as opposed to what I might be feeling. And, uh, you know, the funniest th- times that for me was when I lived in Colorado you know, there were some great hiking trails up in some canyons and bluffs right behind my house. And, you know, I'd just be going along, soul, you know, <laughs> talking to myself. And, and, you know, if somebody was coming, I would quit. But, but sometimes there's like these real tight switchbacks. And, you know, I'm talking to myself and suddenly there's somebody there and I'm talking and they're looking like, who is he talking to? You know, they're going around. And uh, if you ever see me with my mouth moving in the car, uh, it may be that it's not like I've got a Bluetooth going. I'm just talking to God. I'm talking to myself. I'm always afraid that I'll make an accidental call, you know, on my cell phone, like sit on the cell phone and people will hear this outrageous conversation I'm having with myself. But I have to. I have to, guys, because otherwise I'll just go with the flow of the stuff bubbling up in my heart. And rarely has that really led me to any place that's reliable and sturdy. This week, I read two-thirds of a book. I I felt like I didn't need to finish it because I kind of got what I needed for the sermon. I'm just being honest with you. But uh, one of the the great treatments of this passage is a book by Dr. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones. I've had it in my library for a long time called Spiritual Depression. And uh, it's, it's just on Psalm 42. It's a pastoral treatment of this. Spiritual depression, its causes and, cu- and cure. And D. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it this way. And I think this is just the most clear. And I want you to, especially the last part, I want you to really grab this in your heart. I say that we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. Do you realize what this means, he asks. I suggest that the main trouble in this whole matter of being downcast, in, in a sense, is this, that we allow ourselves to talk to us instead of talking to ourselves. Listen to this. Have you realized that, the most, that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself rather than talking to yourself? If that is true, that is a radical statement. Do you realize that most of the unhappiness in your life is because you're listening to yourself and not talking to yourself? Because, see, I'm not talking about the way you want to appear to others. I'm not talking about how you clean it. I'm talking about as it's happening in real time, what's really going on in your heart and what you're going to do about that or not do about that. And here in Psalm 42, the psalmist is talking to himself And look what he says to himself. Self, why are you so downcast? And then he says this. Put your trust in God. All right, that's the question is, what do you say to yourself? Okay, Joseph, I want to talk to himself. What do I say? Put your trust in God 
rather than your own self. But here's the question behind the question. Where does the conviction come to be able to do that? You know, I mean, if, if we stop right here, you know what we got? We got a little psychological tool. We got a little technique, kind of like, you know, power positive thinking, kind of like just, just say happy things instead of negative things. No, no, this is not the power of positive thinking. What we're going to see is that this is rooted in something that's even more real than the difficulties you are experiencing. And it's so real that it will actually inform who you are, how you feel, and having that information and that transformation, you'll be able to talk to yourself. And do you know how the, the psalmist accomplishes this? All throughout the psalm, it's just worship. The experience of God in worship. And his word and prayer gives us the basis to be able to know what to say to ourselves and to say it with conviction. We were made for God. God is the creator. God is the redeemer. And it is in that relationship that the world is turned right side up and we understand what the truth is. It's a beautiful thing. It's rooted in a reality that changes everything. Now, the psalmist starts out by comparing worship to something interesting. You see what he compares it to? Look at verse 1. He says, worship is like water. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. Okay, you're a deer. You're like being hunted by a hunter. You're running for your life. I mean, you're exhausted. Your tongue's hanging out. You're salty. Water is not an optional extra for you at that moment. And that's what he's saying is, you know what? Life is about worship before it's about anything else. You want to know what to say to your soul? You need to be with God because this is like water itself. You can't live without it. And you can speak to your soul. And then there's this whole notion in verse 4 of how he remembers this incredible corporate worship. He remembers this, this joy of being in the temple. And you've got to understand, in Hebrew poetry, talk of the temple is literally talk of the presence of God. Now, we know that, the, that, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit now. And Jesus has, has paid for our sins. He's ascended. He sent the Holy Spirit. But, but back then, the teaching with Scripture was that there was a special presence of God in the temple. That was where the name of God dwelt that was where his special presence was. You might look at it this way, that there's the realm of where God lives in heaven. I mean, God's everywhere, but the throne of God in heaven, and there's earth, and the temple was where those two dimensions actually overlapped on earth. And so, for a Jew to, to yearn for the presence of God would be for a Jew to say, I have to go to the temple. Well, he's cut off from the temple. And just hear the yearning in his voice. These things I remember as I pour my soul out. How I used to go with the multitude leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the, the, the festive throng. And then look, look at verse 6. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan. He's way over on that side. I'll remember you from Hermon. I will remember you from Mizar. We don't even know where Mizar is. He goes on to talk about prayer. Look at verse 8. By day the Lord directs his love. At night 
His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. But most importantly, in verses 5 and 11, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Hope in God. And here's the words, I will worship. Yet I will praise him, my Savior and my God. Ian Bounds says that prayer, and we would say worship, fills man's emptiness with God's fullness. Do you believe that? That God's special presence gives us clarity and brings stability to the inner man. And with that stability, we are able to say, Soul, why are you thinking that? Why do you think everybody doesn't like you? Why do you think that you're left out? Why do you think this, about this or that? Soul, put your trust in God. Now, I would like to break a rule of preaching right now, if you don't mind. And I think I need to break it because I just don't know what to do at this point other than break it. I'd like for you to turn to Revelation chapter 4 and 5. The rule is you should not read long passages of Scripture out loud. But y'all, this is the throne of God. This is what's going on right now with God the Father and the Son This passage will put your world right and help you talk to yourself meaningfully. Some of the scenes in Revelation show the future and what what God's going to do. This one is a doorway and a picture of what worship now, right this moment, looks like before the Father and what it means. And so Revelation 4 and 1 And I want you to notice the power and the majesty and the glory just ripping from the throne of God. After this I looked, and before me was a door standing open in heaven. And at once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. All this power. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. And these are the seven spirits of God. Day and night, as he describes living creatures around the throne, the living creatures never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is to come. Do you notice the first song we sang? That was directly from Revelation chapter 4. And the 24 elders, verse 10, fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before his throne and they say, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. Do you see the power there? And by your will they were created and by your will they have their being. All right, stop right there. What this means is that we, when we worship, can have confidence that God is more powerful than anything that we face in our lives. I mean, basically, it goes like this, throne or your heart. You're going to listen to the truth of God in the peals of thunder and lightning, the creator and sustainer of all who reigns in power, or are you going to listen to your little heart? That's the question here. Worship creates a sense of majesty that 
overwhelms our anxiety. Isn't that beautiful? Let me say that again. Worship creates a sense of majesty that overwhelms our anxiety. But that's not the only thing we read in this passage. Somebody else steps up in this passage, and it's Jesus. If you'll look at chapter 5, verse 1, Then I saw at the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. And I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll. This is God's will and judgment and all that will happen. And then one of the elders said to me, Don't weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll with its seven seals. So Jesus is described here as a lion, the symbol of power, like the one who sits on the throne. And then the whole thing changes. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. He, the lamb, came and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each had his harp and holding golden bowls, which were full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain with your own blood. You purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands, listen to this, and 10,000 upon 10,000, encircling the throne and the living creatures and the elder and the loud voice, they said, I mean, this is deafening about the power and glory and wonder of God. And they said, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and praise and then I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that's in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and power forever and ever amen whoa now look through worship this is what Psalm 42 is telling us downcast discouraged through worship we see where the real power is we see who's running things we see who can handle what's going on in our lives and you know what we see god's power and we say throne or our little hearts heart soul hope in him that's the power but in worship we don't just see a lion do we we see a lamb. We see a lamb. The psalmist says that his soul is troubled. God, why have you forgotten me? Well, God didn't forget the psalmist. But I tell you, there was a person that God forgot. There was a person that God turned his face away from him and we read Jesus' words in John chapter 12, 27. Now my heart is troubled. 
And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this reason that I have come forth. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says to Peter, James, and John, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. And I'm going to tell you, the Lamb, He took our sins upon Him, and He was. God did turn away from Him. Remember what He said from the cross? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And do you know why He did that? So God would never, ever, ever turn away from you, regardless of what's spinning in the heart and in your life. See, we not only need to say to our souls, hey, look, he's the power, he's in control, it's going to be okay. We need to say, yay, we need to preach the gospel to our souls. That king loves me, and he will never turn away from me. And I am in his nail-scarred hands right now, and he will lead me forth And I can put my trust in Him. Rather than listen to whatever is just bubbling up in our souls, we need to preach the gospel to our souls every day. Let me ask you this question in closing. You know what's kind of spinning in your life and heart. You know the things that go bump in the night. You know the bitterness you have toward people. You know all these things that you think other people are thinking and saying. You know all these things that you think you were done dirty and you know how, quote, unlucky you are and all these things. Who's doing the talking in your life right now? Is it your random heart? Because if that's the case, you're going to become more and more uneasy and despondent. Or out of worship, Will it be the truth of God talking to your soul with the assurance of his power and his grace? Let me just read verse 11. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Soul, put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God, my Lamb and my lion. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, would you lead us to that assurance so that we might speak it to our own souls. Through Jesus Christ we pray.